inside, Kempe dishes in front, another sliding catch saved by Flurry, this time to his right. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here is a left wing opportunity, Lizana sliding, catch save, Robin Leonard, what a stop. From the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Rolling right along on a Tuesday, hour number two, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Brian McCormick, my special guest host today and tomorrow. So, Brian, you're stuck with us for another show. Three more hours of hockey talk with myself and Chris Chapman. I hope you are uh, not looking to back out now because, really, you have brought a lot of good news uh, especially a lot of entertaining <laughs> news to the hockey world since you have been a guest host on this show. So I'm just saying you can't turn back now. We're going to need you tomorrow because something crazy has to happen because it just it, it can't stop now. I'm not ready for it. I say thank you, may I have another? And uh, every morning I make sure I call <laughs> someone in the NHL offices and I say I'm, in, I'm on the air in 12 hours and I have nothing to talk about. I need dramatic upheaval. And so far they've all delivered, <laughs> so I appreciate that. It's, well done. it's an so, NHL Illuminati kind of thing. It's all conspiracy. <laughs> that's beautiful. I, I'm glad you've got that much pull, and I'm glad that you're here for it because, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, I would I would also ask you that, like, maybe later on in the week you just kind of throw me a, a bone and just, just shoot someone a text. Like, you don't have to call them. Just shoot them a text. Be like, hey, if we can get, like, one trade, that'd be cool. That would, be, that would really help me out on Thursday and Friday. That's all I'm saying. I'll do everything I can. I think Stormy's more connected than I am, so. Oh, Maybe. okay. So I just got to start working on, on getting Stormy to, to get the news ball rolling uh, for Thursday and Friday. Stormy Bonantoni will be with me on Thursday and Friday to round out the week. And then we've got a lot of really exciting coverage coming up next week. The Seattle expansion draft, the NHL entry draft. Uh, it's going to be great. I, I'm really excited about this this time of the calendar where – some news is starting to happen, some trades, some buyouts, everyone getting their house in order for the expansion draft. And then next week, we get to kind of view this as as observers, where the last time there was expansion in the NHL, we were right in the middle of it with the Golden Knights, trying to look through all the different mocks, trying to figure out what this team was going to look like, getting in the head of George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon as they built this team. Now we just kind of get to kick our feet back and observe the expansion process without any real uh, dog in the fight. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, this is the uh, the the Michael Jackson eating popcorn meme or gif or whatever you call it. <laughs> this is there's going to be mass chaos all around the VGK fan base while they just sit back and you know, Ollie Ollie oxen free, you can't touch me. So that no one will have more detached fun during the expansion draft, I think, than VGK fans. Uh, so enjoy it while you got it. So one thing I do want to touch on here before we get to uh, five teams that are a lock to miss the playoffs next season. We're going to get into that. It's going to be fun. I'll explain all the rules to this little experiment. But before we get into that, I do want to circle back to one thing with the Nashville Predators as it pertains to the expansion draft. Just about an hour ago, Pierre Lebrun tweeted out, there's a growing sense that the Predators might leave Matt Duchesne unprotected in the expansion draft. He has five more years on his deal at $8 million AAV. The big question for me is, if you're Seattle, 
do you look at bringing in Matt Duchesne? I don't. <laughs> I the, the the numbers there are just not commensurate to the yeah. uh, to the cap hit, and frankly, it, they haven't been. You know, even he showed some spurts of it uh, in Ottawa, but wasn't the right guy in Columbus. Wasn't in Nashville. It's kind of been it really just a, a kind of a steady diminishing return since fifteen sixteen maybe with mm-hmm. with again yeah. he got to Ottawa and had a good a good spurt to up his value to go somewhere else and it and then it just fell flat again. So um, if if it was Matt Duchesne at uh, it, and you mentioned uh, just a moment ago, I think his cap hit is for the next five eight years million. is eight million, eight million. Yeah. Yeah. If if the cap hit was four and a half, I think you'd do it, and may, maybe you know he you know gives you a little bit more value than that, but you know he'd be a good middle six guy at that number. For eight million, I think you know he'd be left exposed by Nashville, hoping that someone would take that off their books, uh, and mm-hmm. Seattle's under no obligation to to bail them out. So I, I, I think I, – I don't think the uh, – unless they're going to – unless they're planning on taking so many prospects and young guys to build for the future that they just need a, a heavy cap hit to reach the floor, I don't mm-hmm. think you make Matt Duchesne one of your big-ticket items for the production he's put up the last couple of years. I don't disagree with anything you said. If I'm Ron Francis and that's a, that's a, a conversation point, if, if you're looking at Matt Duchesne – and you know that this is a move by by David Poyle to try to get out from under that contract. The question isn't, okay, I can take Matt Duchesne. The question becomes, what else am I getting with yeah. Matt Duchesne? That becomes the question. Because if, if you're Ron Francis in that situation, you're looking at a player, and, and depending on what the philosophy is going to be for Seattle going into the expansion draft, how they're going to try to build your, their team out, if there are younger players at manageable hits and you're looking at just kind of bringing in a guy like you mentioned, then, okay, you could do a lot worse than Matt Duchesne. That being said, you have to make it worth my while. If I'm helping you out in the Nashville Predators by taking this player, you're sweetening the pot somehow. I don't know. I don't care. I, like, I'm either getting a prospect. I'm either getting a pick. I'm either getting a useful player as a as a two for one deal. But I'm not just lifting Matt Duchesne off of your books for free for nothing. That isn't something I'm going to entertain. And even that's got to be a high price. Like you got to be giving me. I I don't know what's realistic to ask. Like asking for a one sounds unrealistic. Asking for a two maybe less so. So a second round pick or something like that. Or mm-hmm. it, because it's yeah. not just a matter of taking him off the books. It's a Matt Duchesne who's not been very good in Nashville. He's going to be on your books at $8 million a year until he's 36. So, I mean, just for some perspective, think of all the – think how different the VGK roster looks now from expansion draft day, right? The, the turnover happens. Mm-hmm. It happens yeah. pretty quickly. And the VGK found themselves in the position of being contenders immediately. There's nothing worse than being right there fighting for a cup and having a an albatross on your roster that takes up, you know, uh, almost 10% of your cap. So $8 million for Matt Duchesne, but for like, how am I going to feel about that five years from now? Yeah. You don't want to give some, do someone a favor, help them out, get assets for it, but then find yourself in their shoes a couple years down the line where you need someone else to get rid of it because now you're trying to do real things. So if you if you want me to help you out by taking that off, 
where even at, at his age of 30, if Matuschain can recapture himself from five years ago, you're still going to get a couple of years of him. You're probably not going to get five good years of him. So it's a deal that you're going to hate in a couple of years. Right. You, it's got to be a heck of a of a, a pretty please with sugar on top from the Nashville Predators to get me to absorb not only your headache now, but what's going to be a compounded your headache and my headache potentially in just a couple of short years where I might find myself in the position of really wanting to, to move and shake and do some stuff, and I'm f- tied down by a guy that I might have to buy out. You know, so it's if Matt Duchesne was in the midst of, of being a 60-point player mm-hmm. and, you know, there, there are going to be some assets coming with it, okay, maybe. The player that Matt Duchesne has been for multiple years now combined with the length at which I'm going to have to endure that and the lifting I'm going to probably have to do and the favors I'm going to have to do for other people to get myself out from under it, it might all end up just being moot in the end. You'd really have to sell me on it, and even then I'd be hesitant. In this situation with that player, is is retained salary more desirable than, say, an extra asset? No, not to me. Because yeah. yeah. if, if I'm getting retained salary and the player that he's been for the last two years – Frankly, he had 13 points, six goals, 13 points in 34 games for Nashville last year, 13 goals and 42 points in 66 games the year before. You know, it, 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 you know it's also hard to do this. If, if you're talking about a ready-made roster and we're adding Matt Duchesne mm-hmm. to it, well, you don't need Matt Duchesne to be your top-line uh, top guy. You've, you've got A, B, C, and D options. If he's your bottom six, that's, that's good value. We don't know who they have. You know, we, right. in, in, all, in all likelihood... Matt Duchesne's probably, if you picked him up, he's probably one of your bigger name guys. He's one of your bigger salary guys. You're putting him in a position to, to be a, a top six, a top three guy on your roster. So, I mean, how much right. salary are you retaining? If you're, if you're going to hang on to $5 million, fine, but then why aren't you protecting him anyway? It doesn't make sense. You know, if, if you're Nashville, the whole point of exposing him is to have him taken away from you. <laughs> especially especially yeah, over the last I, couple of days. We've I, seen the last couple of days people are, are willing to eat salary for some reason. So, you know, right. I, I, you, well, they're they're willing to eat salary because, you know, for four games in the bubble, Duncan Keith was really hard to play against. And I, I guess that's what <laughs> informed Ken Holland's decision. If you listen to what Ken Holland said anyway. Um, I, yeah, I'm with you. Like in terms of Matt Duchesne, like for me, he's a middle six to bottom six player right now. Like that's just kind of where he's performed over the last couple of years. I don't see the the signs that it's going to return to form. I don't see the signs that that he's going to kind of turn things around and become a very productive player. Even if you go to an expansion team and you have more opportunity to create within your top six, I just don't see it. I've never thought of Matt Duchesne as a legit, as as like a bona fide uh, top line center, like second line, third line. That's kind of where he is for me. But at that cap hit, that is too much to take on for too many years. And I think it's going to be an interesting uh, discussion going forward. I'm trying to scroll back. It's escaping me. Someone who signed recently, and maybe in the commercial break I'll, I'll find it and we can revisit it. But one of the things that's tough for, for Matt Duchesne is, again, he's, he's still an NHL player. It's, he's not uh, unseemly. He's just, he, hasn't been, he hasn't been living up to his contract the last couple of years. He makes $8 million. It's a hard contract to move. It's a hard contract to take. It's a hard contract to play up to. So it just makes it very difficult, you know, for for him to 
to feel comfortable and to, to find a way to, to meet those numbers again. The point I'm getting at is I wonder over time if we'll see more players take longer contract term for less money. And not just in the say in the sense of like a, a good uh, a hometown discount or something like that. If Matt Duchesne had a ten-year deal, but he was making five million per, that's a deal. That's a contract that other teams can take. For some players, sure. rather than they get bought out, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to be an eight million dollar player at the end of this deal, and they're not going to want me, and I might find myself bought out at the age of 34 and not knowing where to go. It actually behooves a player, perhaps to say, like, you know what, I'm going to have a, a set income, I'm going to have job security for a long period of time, but I'm going to be affordable that other teams would want me when my current team doesn't anymore. And I'm going to find it, there was, a, there was one contract that I feel like was signed that, that that was the bell that went off for me. I said, this is really smart for both teams. It's good average value for the team that signs him now, and for the player, when he wears out his welcome where he is, somebody's going to give him a chance in a bottom six role somewhere else. He's prolonging the likelihood that he's attractive to other teams. And that's, a, that's a, an I, equation that right now Matt Duchesne finds himself on the wrong side of. I don't know if the player you're thinking of is Joel Erickson Eck, but that's kind of where, where my I mind went when you, when you brought exactly that up. That's exactly who I'm thinking of. Yes, I was hoping the bell would go off when I scroll back to find it. I think that was exactly <laughs> exactly the deal that I had in mind. So Joel Erickson Eck, it's eight years at five point two five million. So a twenty-four year old player, this will take him, you know, well into his thirties. And I, I think the point that you're making is is well taken in that, you know, even if Joel Erickson Eck isn't a, in a top six role, even if he is not performing from a, a, a points perspective, there's enough in his game that at that cap hit in your middle six, bottom six, he could be a player that is useful and and not just for the Minnesota Wild, but another team down the road that might be looking at him. 20, 29 years old, five and a half million. He's had a couple of good seasons. He's struggling now. I'll take that chance. I'll take that bet. Let's yep. give it a try. Versus someone, and again, you know, anyone who takes a $10 million a year, 10-year contract, no one's going to turn down money. I don't begrudge anybody that. That's <laughs> Someone gives you the answer you want, say yes. But certain players, uh, you know, was another one, uh, this is two years back, I think it was Colton Sissons. I think he signed like a six-year deal at like $1.5 million a year or something. It's like, why that long-term for that number? And I thought, because yeah. there's a million teams at the trade deadline who are going to need a tough, gritty guy, and they're going to take that chance. Absolutely they will. And he's, he's thinking in his mind, if I spend the whole six years here, great. But if I, don't, if I have to move, if I wear out my welcome, somebody's going to want me for this value. It's what do you, what do you think you have a better chance of, of maximizing? the money you can make or the length of time you can play and keep making money. And I wonder if we're going to see, especially in these unusual times where teams are balancing their salary cap in terms of not just cap hit but real dollars, I wonder if more players are going to be interested in really emphasizing the time they have left and being an affordable player for as long as they can be. You know, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I think two players that kind of immediately jump to mind for me as what they're going to do for their next contract, what that might look like, and in kind of going right in line with this, though a little bit older, would be Barkley, Goodrow, and Blake Coleman. Like, these are two guys that I think have a ton of value right now. They're unrestricted free agents, 28, 29 years old uh, for, for both guys. And 
I wonder if they're going to, at this point, because they're a bit older, they're going to try to cash out at the highest possible number, or if they're going to look for more longevity-type deals in order to make sure that they're locked up and in, in, in a, a good spot for the next five or six years. Two very interesting players to bring up in that context because, and I'm pulling it up now, uh, their situations, both Uf, both UFAs, if they signed a similar deal for a – now, they, they're the perfect candidates of the kind of guys who, who are going to be looking for new homes. They, they, they did what Tampa needed them to do, and you have your rings, yeah. way to go, guys. We're in a cap crunch. Go you know, s- spread the love somewhere else. I wonder if they were willing to take the right low deal. I wonder if there's a it's it's unlikely. It's it's very unlikely. I imagine that they could come back, but I wonder if Tampa would bring them back on good numbers. You prove you continue to do the same role you're doing, prove your value, and then when Tampa Bay if you get a couple more cups out or a couple more cup runs and you just become that quintessential playoff bottom six you need to win. And then when Tampa does go into full rebuild mode, then again, at the deadline, Tampa's going to be able to send you somewhere and everybody's going to want you. That's very interesting. My, my point being is if Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman could stay with Tampa Bay, I could see them taking an affordable number that's going to make it possible for Tampa to keep as much of the band together as they can. You're making good money, you're winning, and you're still enticing and building your value for when they move you somewhere else. Or if you're just going to sign in a new place you're probably going for the biggest number you can. You're probably going like, uh, oh, Blake Holman was that for Tampa. We we need someone like that here in New Jersey. Come on back in. And you end up in a situation where we see all the time where, you know, David Clarkson with Toronto isn't David Clarkson in New Jersey. You know, that's that's probably where you try to get the biggest number you can before things deteriorate. Very interesting. Very, very interesting because their, their phones are certainly going to ring. No question. <laughs> no, that's that's for sure. And and maybe maybe the better uh the better correlation in terms of of the Joel Erickson at contract is perhaps what's going to happen with Kevin Fiala, right? Like that's mm. a player that is is still young who, you know, 24 years old, are you looking to cash in on a good year with Minnesota? And, and are you looking for the maximum amount of money you can possibly get right here in this moment? Or are you looking for more longevity and more of, a, of, of an idea that if things don't progress the way you'd like them to, you're still going to be able to find a home in the NHL should Minnesota choose to move on from you? Yeah, you know, put it this way. To frame this whole conversation, I think the reason we're talking about the Joel Erickson contract is because we were surprised. Like, all right, well, what, what makes sense about that? And, and I think we've come up with a pretty good uh, theory of what made sense for it, but he probably could have gotten more. He just maybe likes Minnesota or he gave him some security. Kevin Fiala is, especially with the removal of Parisi and Suter now, his value is, is higher than it's been, right? And he's coming off a phenomenal season, and before that, pretty darn good too. So, you know, I feel like I feel like he's probably the kind of guy that he's going to go for the the big money because, you know, he he's more valuable to Minnesota now than he's ever been. Especially, I mean, if you can't if if Kaprizov doesn't sign, well, then you really need Kevin Fiala. So I imagine he goes maybe maybe higher number, but maybe a lower term, so that he can be a free agent for big money one more time again, maybe. You know, 
just because we're staying here with the Minnesota Wild and because you brought up Kirill Kaprizov, is there a more interesting person right now in the NHL than Kirill Kaprizov? Because he wins the Calder. He's phenomenal. Injects so much life into this Minnesota Wild team. And I don't really know how to read whether or not he's going to come back and be a Minnesota Wild. Yeah. So is there anyone more interesting or on the other side more powerful? Like he has <laughs> the fate, yeah. especially with the moves that were made today, and and the fact that it, it it's kind of an in between team as it is. Like you look at, at buyout candidates. You know, we were talking about Suter and Parisi. I mean, you kind of could have probably had Matt Zuccarello in that conversation as well. At thirty three, mm-hmm. he's got three more years at six million each. Uh, Matt Zuccarello's a good player. A lot of teams would like to have him. Six million is kind of. Right right now, aside from Jared Spurgeon, he's tied with Dumba and Brodine to be your highest paid player. Should Matt Zuccarello be your highest paid forward? I don't know that he should be. And Kevin Fiala is probably going to say that too. Like, you know, it's it's uh, I'm, I'm the most productive person here other than Kaprizov. Best uh, pay me now. So that's, I think that's what his attitude would, would be. Um, but for Kaprizov, you know what's so interesting is that he's it's he's not a flamboyant personality, right? It's not like we've no. gotten and, and also to, to my knowledge, I don't think there's a lot of English there that he can necessarily give a lot of interviews to speak for himself, nor would he want to. So in many ways, just aside from the hearing of deals that he's either accepted or turned down, we really have very, very little idea what he's thinking. We don't really know. And, and especially he's another example. <laughs> there are a lot of Russian players that come over later because they're pretty happy playing in Russia. You know, yeah. it's it's not like he came over here as quickly as he could. No, he put up some good numbers in Russia before he came here uh, to, the, to the States. So, you know, you, you also wonder, like, you know, maybe he prefers playing over there. You, you don't know. And that's the scariest thing when you're trying to negotiate against someone who, uh, not that Bill Guerin isn't having real conversations with them, of course he is, but from the outside <laughs> looking in, like, it's kind of hard to know what he wants because he's already been given some pretty attractive, lucrative numbers that apparently haven't he hasn't really batted an eye at. So, you know, after a while, I, I, if you're Bill Guerin, you might feel like you're negotiating against yourself. Um, right. Which, again, if you're Kaprizov, that's a great driver's seat to be in. <laughs> I mean, it, he, he holds a lot of power. He holds a lot of cards right now. And, you know, all the leverage points that Kirill Kaprizov has after his first year in the NHL – I think he's just he's utilizing that to his advantage. And and the latest move from Bill Guerin in the, in the Zach Parise and Ryan Suter buyouts, it, it, it puts even more leverage mm-hmm. to Kirill Kaprizov because you need this player. I, I, he's, he's electric. He's very good. He plays a very interesting brand of hockey. He's unafraid in the corners. He's got a great shot, great vision, great skating. Like you need a player like Kirill Kaprizov uh, to to continue to be around because I think you put a lot of stock into this core being the core that's going to make you a legitimate cup contender. And the court of public opinion is a real thing. You know, you need him for the on-ice attributes. You need him to be on the ice and put up numbers and win. But we were just talking about the the legacy of Parisi and Suter, right? Yeah. Part of the reason they're gone mathematically is is the chief reason of course but it's you need new faces this was a decision of the parisi suitor era and the flashbacks to the two of them standing on the same podium on july 1st 
side by side, smiling with their wild jerseys held up in front of them. That's over. You need a new face of the Minnesota Wild and the runaway Calder Trophy winner. That's him. And you've now cleared space to secure him long term. So they have basically, I think they've made every indication clear to Kirill Kaprizov. We've done everything we can that this is your team now. We've cleared all the furniture out of there. That's your bedroom now. And now we just need you to please sign the paper and walk in there. And he's he's stringing him along. It's making it really dramatic and really fun because I think he knows that he's got all the power to swing the hammer in this negotiation because they don't just need him on the ice marketing-wise and fan base-wise. Yes. They yes. need him. They really do. I, I want to live in a world where we get more Kirill Kaprizov catchphrase T-shirts because they're just so good. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Like, just want one of those. That's all. Kirill the Kirill Thrill. Yeah. Yes. Dollar Dollar Bill Kirill. Like, uh, clearly Kirill Kaprizov knows that he's got all the leverage in this situation, and it'll be very interesting to see if that deal gets done, what that number is going to look like, because that's that's really Kevin Fiala, Kirill Kaprizov, that's what's up next for Bill Guerin. It's going to be interesting to see how he navigates that and tries to set himself up to to navigate through the toughest years of the buyout cap hit for both Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. Of course, those two players being bought out earlier today. We're back with more. We've got one-timers coming up next right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brought to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Another fun day of one-timers. I can't wait. This is going to be good. We're starting it off with a bang. Darren Dreger earlier today reported on Insider Trading that Gabe Landeskog and the Colorado Avalanche are not close on a contract extension. Landeskog is set to hit the market on July 28th. How much of a hit would this be to the Avalanche in their window to win, which is right now? So hard to say because they love Gabriel Landeskog for numerous reasons, including production. I think there's two things at play here. I, I say that like I know things. Here are two things <laughs> I think could be at play here. One, Gabriel Landeskog did not have a good postseason. I think everyone can kind of agree on that, particularly the series against uh, Vegas. And with the up-and-down style with Nathan McKinnon full speed, Gabriel Landeskog really good in-zone net front power play. If you're making a 200-foot game where you want him to carry the puck, he becomes less effective, and the VGK really just isolated him on the basis of that, mm -hmm. that he was a non-factor. I wonder if that makes them think about, okay, how much money do we want to commit to someone who plays, you know, th does that mesh with what we are going to do long-term? The other side is, we talked with Jesse Granger yesterday, not a very deep center market out there. Like, Gabriel Landeskog is probably the biggest fish down the middle. So they're probably not close because he might be interested in seeing the market and seeing how that can dictate his price because there aren't a lot of better options out there on the market than him down the middle. Yeah, it's an interesting one for me because I think when you look at Gabriel Landeskog and how much he means to Colorado, uh, he's just one of those players that I think does show up in key moments. Of course, he struggled in the postseason, uh, but I, I do wonder about the Avalanche potentially losing their captain in Gabe Landeskog, what that does. Now, is Nathan McKinnon the next guy up? I think so. Yeah. It's fully Nathan McKinnon's team. I think we kind of all already understand that. But in terms of, of me, 
I just think the world of Gabriel Landeskog. I think you need players like him in order to win in the postseason. I, I do understand the idea that maybe stylistically it doesn't make the most sense, but then try to separate those two players and come up with a way to to utilize Gabe Landeskog. That being said, I do look at the market right now, and if if he goes to market, if he hits free agency, that's a player that I think garners a ton of interest. There will be a ton of teams looking to sign Landeskog, and that could turn into a very, very lucrative day yeah. for Gabe Landeskog and, and, and setting him up for the rest. That's right. It, it's there's of course Colorado should want Gabe Landeskog. It's not like oh what a terrible series, get him out of town. No, but <laughs> they're they're not close. Who's keeping them apart? Is it Colorado not giving Gabe what he's worth? Or is it Gabe reading the market and knowing that he could probably bring the level a lot higher based on the demand there's going to be for him? You know, speaking of free agents, Alex Ovechkin is a little over two weeks away from hitting the open market. Is anyone surprised by this? I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, put it this way. He's two weeks away from the open market. How much are we hearing about it? None, really? Like, nobody's talking about yeah. potential destinations. It's almost like those two are just old friends, and it's like, ah, they'll, they'll get to it when they're, when they're good and ready. Uh, I don't think there's any reason for him to go anywhere unless he was unhappy, and if he was, I'm sure we would have heard about it by now. I assume that just gets done in its own time. Ice, ice baby. <laughs> so I, I have been on the record as saying that Alex Ovechkin has to retire as a Washington Capital. You have gotten everything that you could ask for from Alex Ovechkin, and there's still one more thing on the docket that should absolutely take place with Ovechkin in a Capital sweater, and that is Alex chasing down Wayne Gretzky's goal-scoring record. I don't know if he can get there. I'm not sure, but I will say this. If he pursues that record with any team other than the Washington Capitals, that to me is just Un, it, it's just so unnatural, and it shouldn't happen, and it's unforgivable. So I, I don't feel like I'm surprised we're here. I think that the deal gets done, assuming that that Alex Ovechkin continues and wants to play in the NHL and wants to chase down that record. Um, I'm not too concerned about it, but I will say, once we get to July 28th or beyond, if it's not done, then I think maybe that's when I'll start to wonder a little bit. And I don't know that there's a better place he could go that would suit him better for that chase than where he is now. Washington's still very, very competitive, still a very good team. Like, that's a good place for him to, to pursue that record. I, I would be interested. I wonder if he takes a shorter deal, and if Washington would even be okay with that for flexibility, uh, that he has the option in a couple of years to, to hop somewhere else if he feels he needs to, uh, rather than take a contract that would guarantee him retiring in one place. That would be interesting. It absolutely would be interested, interesting, but for me, Alex Ovechkin, he's a Washington Capitol. He's got to be a Washington Capitol uh, for the rest of his career. And if he does break that record, think about how amazing it will be for the Capitals franchise. Switching gears a little bit. Uh, we've talked about him a lot on the show today, but we're going to get a little bit more into the Minnesota Wild. Elliot Friedman <laughs> on 31 Thoughts listed Minnesota among the teams interested in a trade for Jack Eichel. Darren Dreger also on Insider Trading says that Minnesota are in the they're among those teams. So for a team that was bought out Ryan Suter and Zach Parise who still have to sign Kirill Kaprizov and we just 
went into detail about how difficult those negotiations might be and having that makes sense with what is going with what their cap's going to look like over the next four years in terms of dead space does it make sense going after a player that's making 10 million dollars a year i don't know how it works you know like like you we, we <laughs> talked about in the break there there's prospects minnesota has that that are absolutely of interest you know marco yeah. rossi matthew boldy hunter jones there's a bunch that you'd be interested in but in order for this to work with all that dead cap space Let's presume you keep uh, Kirill Kaprizov in the mix as well. That's going to be in the, what, 8 million range, higher, 9? And then you're adding the yeah. Jack Eichel salary on top of that. you got to think, like, this isn't just going to be a package of prospects. It, it will be, but you almost got to move some some roster bodies as well just to, to facilitate the space, and that's a lot dedicated to just a few, to which I wonder... I wonder if this is a deal that becomes more of this is really just galaxy brain, but you know, if if <laughs> if the Kirill Kaprizov negotiations just aren't going anywhere and you really feel like it's not gonna happen, is that is the negotiating rights to Kaprizov something that you offer up to Buffalo in a deal like this? As risky as all you heck, know, I don't think you do that if you're Buffalo, but I am just trying to think because otherwise how the heck are you fitting all this money under one cap? That's that's an interesting thought. And my initial thought on it is, well, okay, Kevin Adams surely wouldn't do that without a guarantee that Kirill Kaprizov would sign. And again, this is galaxy brain. We're just kind of we're making it fun, figuring out <laughs> different pieces here. Um, but then again, like, like I, I don't know, because Kevin Adams, he's a first-time general manager. It's not like he's got a bunch of, of people to really uh, bounce this off of. How much does if this is something on the table, like how much does Kevin Adams say, I need to talk to the player before I can really make this trade or this potential trade something that makes any sense? Because if you trade Jack Eichel and the negotiating rights to Kirill Kaprizov is what is, is a part of what you get back in return, and that doesn't turn into Kirill Kaprizov under contract as a Buffalo Sabre, I don't know how oh, you face your fans. I don't know how yeah. you... you you cannot make that deal without a guarantee that Kirill Kaprizov is going to become the face of your franchise for the next 8, 10, 12 years. I'm, I'm sure that they would have, if that if that was part of it, it would be like, hey, I'm talking to this guy first. No question. Um, or it's, hey, here's a boatload of everything you want, and we're going nowhere with Kaprizov, so if you give us something else, or here's a throw-in. Like, if you just know he's not going to sign, it's just not going to happen, well then, rather than just have it be dead space on your books, you might as well just put him somewhere. Uh, again, this, we're making it fun, but I'm just trying to think, where's <laughs> where's the money for all this? And that's, again, where did... We, we talked about the, the Parisi suitor buyout hurting you in a few years, but it gives you the flexibility to get Kaprizov now, at least. If you're adding Jack Eichel, well, that takes up all that flexibility, too. So something else has to move, doesn't it? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're, you're going to have to walk away or move a player that I think you've identified as kind of part of your core. I mean, I, I think kind of the obvious one, and we talked about him earlier, was Matt Zuccarello. But then you're av you, Buffalo's got to agree to take that on. And, you know, at, at that cap hit, I, I don't know, maybe. But and, and it, Buffalo, it's interesting. Buffalo also needs this to be not just getting Eichel off because he's disgruntled or because they want to move on. This yeah. needs to be a generational, transformational springboard 
for the Buffalo Sabres. All the highest-end prospects and the sure-thing roster players you can get. Matt, Matt Zuccarello is not going to be part of the future of the Buffalo Sabres, so no. you, you got to give them things that they they want and need, and that's that's where it becomes tricky. It'll, it'll, it'll really be interesting, especially if that, as we get more and more uh, nuggets to trickle out about Jack Eichel, what may or may not happen in terms of a trade. Um, Minnesota fascinates me for a lot of different reasons. Dominic Ducharme drops the interim tag, becomes the full-time head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Ducharme signed a three-year deal with Montreal. Is anyone surprised by that news? No, he earned it, had a great yeah. postseason, had a great interim stretch to get them into the postseason, uh, understood the young kids, and that's the thing, too. It's, it's going to be such a young team, your Suzuki's, your Caulfield's, and more on the way. Uh, you know, Ryan Paling when he gets in there. Like, it, there's going to be a lot of youth, uh, and he related to them very well. They were a great team, you know, uh, even with it, even when he was coaching them remotely in the in the playoffs when he was uh, in COVID <laughs> protocol, it was still uh, well communicated. And Luke Richardson gets a, t- a tip of the cap for that as well. But with with the way he finished the season, no reason not to let uh, him take the reins of this team full time and see what he can do with it in a full campaign. Yeah, for me, Dominic Ducharme, he has figured out how to get something out of his players, and his players are buying in to what he's saying. And if you can get buy-in from your players, if you can kind of find something to rally around and and you have that full belief in your head coach, I think that that it's a no-brainer. The fact that they went to the Stanley Cup final, the fact that they were able to upset the Golden Knights, that gives you an idea that Dom Ducharme knows how to wrestle out and and wrangle out the most that he can from his roster so it's well deserved congratulations to dominic ducharme and the montreal canadians those are your one timers for tuesday july 13th catching up with chapman is next we're back to the findlay chevrolet fox sports las vegas studios this is the vegas golden knights insider show here's darren millard and ryan wallace vgk insider show wrapping it up here on a tuesday a lot of hockey talk today a lot of really really interesting stuff of course the minnesota wild buying out Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. The cap implications are going to be interesting over the next three to four years. Both of those players will not come off the cap until the the end of the 2028-29 season. Eight years on that buyout. Uh, Also, Pecorine announcing his retirement. Brian Cormick is doing a fantastic job as a guest host. He's fitting right in and understanding a little bit more about Chris Chapman on a day-to-day basis. What Chris <laughs> Chapman <laughs> brings to the table, who he is as a person, identifying with, um, you know, psychotic dogs. It's fantastic. So I'm, do- I'm trying I, to understand. Oh, I'm doing my best. <laughs> well, you're understanding. You just may not like what you're hearing. Uh, so I turn it over to you, Chris Chapman. Uh, catching up with Chapman, what do you got, buddy? All right, U.S. men's basketball team. They won their first exhibition game after losing the first two. They lost to Nigeria and Australia, and people were hitting the panic button. It's the first time they had ever lost back-to-back exhibition games. And uh, calm down. It's an exhibition game. The U.S. will be perfectly fine when they head over to Tokyo. In fact, I would be willing to wager... A pretty sizable amount of money that they will win the gold medal 
in basketball in just a few weeks when they start playing in Tokyo. Not concerned about them losing to Nigeria. Don't care. Not concerned about them losing to Australia. Don't care. They did beat Argentina today by 28 points, a good bounce back, but everybody needs to calm down. Not the end of the world that they lost exhibition games. If anything, it'll just make them a little better. Greg Popovich, one of the best coaches in the history of the game. They will be fine. U.S. men's national team. I am not concerned in the least bit. But some people were freaking out that they lost. So uh, I, I, I don't know. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Well, I, I want to circle back to you wanting to make a bet. What what can I do to beat you in this bet? What, Egg what, salad what sandwiches. Oh, man. Wow. I'll have to think about that. I'll have to think. You don't. Could, come on. Well, like, I mean, I, you, I I would take the U.S., obviously. I'm, I'm not worried about it. It's just a matter of what I, I would. What I, I, would just, I get the field? Yeah. Yeah, you'd have the field. Okay. I'm just trying to think about what I would want in return. I'm not going to have you sing the well, national I mean, anthem. No, okay, that's fine. Like, I won't have you embarrass yourself like Darren did. That's well, I fine. do that on a daily basis. Chapman, you realize that if you make a bet with me, you're not going to win. We'll think of, we'll think of what the I'm terms are. I'm undefeated are. here. Well, okay. all good things come to an end, my friend. No, no, no. That's not the case. <laughs> hey, Brian, thank you so much for jumping on again with us today. We're back tomorrow right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.